Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. Great to be with you. God is good. Man, I'm sitting there listening to those lyrics, and I'm just thinking of the goodness of God over all the times in my life. Does anybody ever just take time and dwell on God's goodness? And when you dwell on his goodness, you have to think back about your badness. (laughs) And you have to think how God protected you, even in your foolishness, even when you were unfaithful to him, how he was still faithful to you. See, those are the times I think I'm drawn in by God and think "I, I could easily be another casualty could easily be another statistic but God protected me and God's using me and God's using you God's building me and God's building you and God's still working on me and God's still working on you and because of that we can celebrate his goodness amen amen God is good God is good you guys did incredible today man Man, that was incredible. That was incredible. Well, welcome, welcome, church. It's great to be with you this morning. Hey, do me a favor. Take a moment, fist, some, uh, fist bump somebody, say hi to somebody, give them a hug, whatever comfortable. We'll be back in just a moment. Good morning, good morning. How we doing? All right, everybody warmed up? It's an apocalypse. It almost got us, but it didn't. You're here, you're alive, you're well. Thank God. Let's give God a hand. We are alive and well. Uh, who here had busted pipes, like busted pipes in their house? I'm just really curious because I know this happened to so many people. Yeah, it's okay, all right. Don't be ashamed of the busted pipe. <laughs> We're not going to uh, house shame you. Uh, who did, for real? Who, who had like a busted pipe? You know, one, two. Okay, that's cool. The rest of us. Now, how many of you actually did the pre-freeze uh, preparation of your pipes by wrapping them outside, wrapping the spigots? Who actually did that? Okay, okay, about 40%. How many of you were just like, freeze? What freeze? And then you were hoping that the pipes didn't bust because you kept hearing about this. That would be the rest of you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, um, we survived it, and uh, I, I, I actually wasn't here. Uh, my, my wife and, and, and my children were. I was actually in Cancun for the, uh, <laughs> for the most of the week. Uh, 
in, in my position, I get to meet a lot of cool people and interesting people and powerful people and people in positions. And I mean, I don't want to name any names, but there's this particular guy who's a politician and he called me and said, hey man, I got, I got an extra seat <laughs> on my private jet. I'm gonna get you out of here. But the difficult decision you're gonna have to make is you gotta leave your wife and kids. And I said, man, you're wrong, bro. This is not gonna be a difficult decision. What time do I need to be there to get on that plane? So I hope y'all were okay. <laughs> uh, I, I survived. Um, hey, let's, let's jump into back, back, back into what we were talking about. Uh, that was mean, wasn't it? That, that was mean, leave your wife and kids. All right, um, I did a good job protecting my wife and kids, by the way. Let's jump into Haggai. Uh, we've been in this series. I started this a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, last week we had to cancel service, and we did a panel, and I introed that message with a 10-minute recap. So I'm not going to recap everything that I've been teaching on, but I, I really encourage you, if you're just tuning in today, uh, Church Fam Online, if you're watching today, and, and maybe you haven't caught the, the last couple of weeks, it's really, really important to know where we're going, because uh, I'm going to stay in this passage uh, in these two chapters of Haggai for, for, for a long time. We're going to be here for a while. Uh, so we're still in Haggai chapter one. There's only two chapters in, the, in this whole book of Haggai, but I'm still in chapter one, and I'm just going to continue. This is more like the part two message of where I've been. So let's jump into this um, short 45-second recap. 50,000 people come out of exile, out of Babylon, they're the remnant of, of God's people who are going to go back. They're released by a foreign king who basically says, okay, you can go back and worship your God. And you can go back and do what God's called you to do. Build his temple, live for him, do what you want to do. They found favor with a foreign king who didn't worship God. And they went and they left, 50,000 people out of exile. And they get to their land of promise. What God had promised them, they get to. And then here's, here's what's next. Instead of doing and building what was important to God... They basically turned their lives inward and just focused on themselves. They built their own lives. They built their own livelihoods. And specifically in this book, in chapter one, it talks about how they built their own houses. And some of them had multiple houses. And they just built them into these nice, luxurious places while over here on the other side of the street, God's temple laid in ruins. It was lying in ruins and here they had been released by a foreign king and commissioned by God to go back and build God's temple, build God's house, but instead they built their own houses. And so God uses this guy named Haggai, who's a prophet, to challenge the people. God raises up Haggai and he says, hey, challenge these people to live for me, to live for my glory, to build my house. So God uses Haggai to challenge the people to come back and to build again and to build together. And I'm preaching this these days because... I feel this is the same place that we're in as individuals and as a church. In many ways, we're coming out of the exile of last year. Like, wherever you were in 2019 is not where you are in 2021. The thinking is different. The reality is different. Uh, politics, race, government, pandemics. There's been so much going on, no matter how you felt coming out of 2019, going into 2020, and then going through 2020 and where you are in 21, we're all in some way kind of different. We're different in the way we approach things. We're different in the way we converse with people about certain topics. Sometimes we won't even mention a certain topic because we know we don't know where somebody else stands on that topic. 
They don't want to light a fuse right now. That's not my intention. So maybe I'll just hold my opinions to myself. Anybody feel that way? Of course we, we do. You know, with the, on multiple fronts and in multiple avenues, that's kind of all what we're dealing with. And, and we have to remember what God has called us as Christians to be about and what he's called us to build. Because right now there's a temptation in, for all of us to basically say, you know what, man, 2020 was hard. I lost money. I lost my business. I lost clients. I lost opportunities. I lost my, my strategy for the next five years. I lost my plan. Everything I was shooting for has shifted. Now I don't know how long it's going to take. It could take two years. It could take five years. I don't, maybe I had to switch careers. I had to switch roles in my business. They downsized. They let people go. It's easy for us right now to fall into the same trap of having been preserved by God like the people of God were out of exile. They were protected by God in Babylon. They were preserved by God. But it's easy for us like them to get into our place of promise here in 2021 and they go, you know what? It's not time to build God's house because that's what the people said. First thing in Haggai, God uses Haggai as a prophetic voice to the people. He says, these people say, let me read you, let me read you uh, verse two. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. And then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now, now here's where they were. They, they were. they were thinking that because of what they'd been through, that disqualified them from being passionate and prioritized about the things of God. And you don't know what we've been through. We lost our business. My kids got set back. My education level is now, is now shifted. You know, my pay was shifted. My time was shifted. And if we're not careful, I, I, I can honestly tell you, that this is how I feel. This is 40 years in church, 41 years in church. I remember, I remember going at least when I was four years old. It's 41 years of at least being in and around church life and people. I promise you, people get comfortable and then they forget what God has brought them through. People get comfortable because the heat comes on, the water comes on, the electricity comes on, the Wi-Fi works, praise God. And you know what? We forget about the freeze. We forget about how we freeze God out. We, we forget about how our love for God was frozen. And disconnected. And then we get comfortable, Bill. I mean, this is just normal. This is, this is the starting and the stopping that we see consistently in the Old Testament. And it's, it's, very, uh, in, in, it's very telling of our own lives as well. Come on, there's been starts and stops in our love for God. There's been starts and stops in our worship for God. Not in our belief in God. We believe in God. As Christians, we believe. The people of God here believed they were just not prioritized with their beliefs to move them to action so that they could follow through with what God was asking them. And I don't think that we're too far gone from what happened here a couple thousand years ago. I know we like to think that we're progressive people and, and you know, we, you know we're, we're so much more civil and, yeah, <laughs> look at people getting in line this week, uh, almost punching each other out, you know, and, and, and fighting over toilet paper and fighting over water, like three or four more days of this and people would have been going a little bit more savage than they were. <laughs> Just give them a little more time. 
Maybe I don't believe that, but I do. Um, Haggai was asking the people to consider their ways. Let me read you this next verse, verse 5. He says, now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. Again, these people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you to build yourselves? Time for you yourselves to be living in your own paneled houses while God's house remains a ruin. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Another translation says, consider your ways. Which basically, the, the translation of that, the, the Hebrew meaning is, is to, um, it's a strange saying, it means to put your heart on the roads. It basically means to, to put your heart on the pathway in which you're going. Put your heart into action and not just into thought, but into the action, into the process of where you're actually living, leading, and directing your life. Now, every day we would get, we would get up in the morning, that's not exactly what we do. We don't get up in the morning and say, oh, Lord, today I, I'm going to consider my next two hours. No, we're just like, oh, what time is it? What day is it? Where's my coffee? Uh, where's the tacos? Let's get moving. Let's get started. We got a long day. We got, we got to do this with the kids, and we got, to do, we got responsibilities, and we just start moving. We don't give a lot of heart and thought, inner thought towards the decisions that we're making. We're just getting into routine. We're just getting into the normal reality of building our own house, which is not a bad thing. It's a responsible thing. Many of us are adulting, <laughs> and we're very proud of ourselves because that, that, that's what life is. It's adulting at another level and more and more responsibilities. And the more you get, the more you have to manage. The more you have to manage, the more you have to prioritize. The more you have to prioritize, the more you have to give careful thought to your ways. Because life just keeps coming and throwing more things at you. So here's what the people were dealing with. They believed that God was supposed to be first in their lives, but they were not living it out. The priorities were out of order. They believed. Like these were good people. This was the 50,000 that came back to build God's house, to reestablish worship, to devote their lives to the Lord. These were not bad people. They were people that just came and the priorities got out of order. So God sends Haggai, this prophet, to get them to get the priorities in line with what they should be, in line with what God says is important. And he tells them, consider your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. Look, I, I want to be that voice to you in Grace Avenue this morning. I, I want to I be the voice that encourages you to give careful thought to your ways. To really, in this season, to really consider the direction that your life is going. To give careful consideration because God has given you gifts and talents, and skills, and blessing, and prosperity, and wisdom, and knowledge, and opportunity. And that's to be used for his purpose and his glory. And it's so tempting right now for us to, to blend into the voice of the world and say, oh, look what has happened to the world. It's never going to be the same Oh, things are just so bad. You know, I don't think God's worried about anything right now. 
I think God's looking at the remnant who's going to rise up out of the exile and actually do something. Like every generation has to do something with God's church. This isn't the first pandemic where Christianity has been around. It's just our first of our lifetime. Other people, other generations have to deal with war. Other generations have to deal with famine. Most Christians, half, you know, half the world, three billion people on the other side of the world who live in extreme poverty, a significant portion of them who are Christians, who are saved, never even have the type of budget that we'd have in a week for Starbucks and going out to eat. That would be their year's wages. We don't even equate our lives with anything like that. We don't even live in that realm. We don't even know what that's like. We can't even imagine that. You got to for about two days without heat, water, and electricity and having no opportunity and no access and no relationships and no connections and no way out. Except some, except some people live like that. That's their entire life. Two minutes on, you know, our electricity was coming on for two minutes and then off for four hours. I was like, is this a joke? Like, is somebody literally switching in the power room? Like, hey, watch this. Watch. Here we go. Ready? All right. Count 60 seconds. Here we go. All right. Turn it back off. Give them four hours. Like, I literally thought, as a kid in elementary school, I used to do this to kids in the bathroom when they were sitting on the pot. I would go and switch the light off and wait for them to go, hey, and start screaming. And I would laugh with a bunch of friends. I I was like, God, are you paying me back for this? I know that's not your nature, but is this the reaping for the sowing that I did. The people were caught up in their beliefs, but not caught up living it out. Now, here's the thing. In Ezra chapter 3, which mirrors, I showed you that chart in the first big old, uh, that big old timeline in the first week. In Ezra chapter 3, the people come back and immediately they start building. And what they do is in the first couple of years, they lay the foundation for the temple. You ever start building a house or seen a house being built or a, or a new Whataburger being built? Praise God when that happens, wherever that happens. And, and it's there and there's the foundation and you know the work has started, right? Two years, that happens in the first two years and here's what happens. 14 years goes by and they haven't done anything. They've just focused on their own lives. Can I tell you how common this is with just the average San Antonio individual? Our lives, we get connected to God, we get passionate, we put a do, two good solid years in, and, the, and then it's just like that. Just that quickly, 14 years can go by. Four years can go by, five, six, 10, 14, and, and, and we're not living out the thing that we believe, we're not living it out. So two years after returning, they laid the foundation to rebuild the temple. They'd started to build for God, but then they got distracted. 14 years passes by. They'd come out of a difficult season. And I get it. They just wanted some normalcy. They just wanted some prosperity. They just wanted some blessing in their lives. Like after the last week, all I really wanted was just a warm bed. 48 degrees in the house is not fun. Just wanted some normalcy, just some, just some normal life. I get that. Okay, but the fact is, there's a temptation right now for us to start living that way and thinking that way. 
And if we don't give careful thought to how we're living, if we don't really give careful thought to where our time, our talent, our energy, our gifts, and especially our money are going, we're just going to build our own house. And we will convince ourselves, hey, we believe, we believe God's first. Who should be first in your life? God. God should be first. Okay, but, but what are you building aside from your own house that shows? Are you with me? Yeah. Is this too frozen of a message to unfreeze you right now from maybe some thinking? I mean, this is God's word for us. I remember, God gave me this message in September. I've been sitting on this for a while. I've been praying about this. When's the time? And I'm telling you, our church is in a prime position. I really believe the Holy Spirit has positioned us in this time, in this season, to, in many ways, restart our church. I really believe that. I I promise you, no pastor is going to preach what I'm about to say, but I'm really glad some people did not come back to Grace Avenue. That's the kiss of death right now. Pastors shouldn't say that, and that's why they don't say that. And that's why I don't get invited to a lot of places. But I'm telling you, there are some people that came, and all they do is collect dust. They take up space. I'm not talking about people who are seeking and trying to discover more about Jesus, and they're out there on the edge trying to figure this out. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who've been saved like this. They laid a foundation, and for 14 years, they don't serve, they don't pray, they don't give, they don't connect a community, they don't pray with anybody, they don't pray for anybody, they don't encourage anybody, they don't lift anybody up, and then they go, yeah, just, I'm just not really feeling connected at that church, you know, like, I just, I don't know, man, I mean, the message is always good, that's for sure, but, you know, I just, I just, the, the people, they're not, they're, I don't know, uh, some of those people are weird, and I don't, I don't know, you know, there's, I don't know. I'm quoting inner dialogue of what I watch people for years do to themselves. They convince themselves, oh, I believe in God, but I'm not going to get rooted and grounded and planted in community. Like God is not up there going, oh, he went to church today. Well, my day is made. That's all I needed. Turn everybody else's lights out. Let them learn a little bit more about being appreciative of heat. I'm good to go for today. That's not, that's not what God is looking for. He's not just looking for belief. He's looking for devotion towards building. And not just building our own lives, but building what's important to him. I thought about this verse to put into this message. It's Psalm, Psalm 27, verse 1. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house. When we started this church, you know, over 10 years ago, I remember that verse was so embedded in my mind and in my heart. In fact, I remember there was a guy, I still know him, he's a, he's a, he's a friend of mine, and we connect every now and then, but I remember him, him we were talking about different churches, because churches, they always start, but not of them always finish. Uh, in fact, San Antonio is a graveyard for a lot of churches that start and don't finish. They, they never really get off the ground, or they just become little hubs of, of worshiping, gathering people. It doesn't really go anywhere. Uh, now, I don't know what your theology is, but to me, that's, that's not a good place to be, <laughs> to just sit around and worship, and that's it. Like, that worship is supposed to lead to devotion, which leads to action, which leads to reaching the world. Jesus said to go out into the world, not to stay all in the living room or the church and just worship. There's work to be done. There's a mission that we're supposed to be committed to. 
And much more of that is that disciple we'd be coming, we are becoming so that we can see other disciples made. Okay, but that's a whole other message. But I remember thinking, he, this, this guy, this friend of mine said um, that somebody had started a church and they were, they were, this, this pastor was bragging about their branding and their signs and how cool the building was and how this, and it was just going to be awesome and succeed. And my friend told him, man, you better hope God breathes on that thing. Forget about your freaking sign and how cool it looks. Forget about your, your social media. You better hope God breathes on that thing. And I kid you not, like sometimes people say things, you ever, somebody ever say something and you just feel the wind of the Holy Spirit, like you're supposed to pay attention to that? I was so convicted when he said that because I mean, I wasn't thinking about thinking that way about our church, but I, I literally felt the conviction of if God doesn't breathe on Grace Avenue Church, it's dead before it starts. It's literally dead before it starts. And here this, this verse says, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers, the people who are putting the work in, they labor in vain. It's like all your work comes to nothing. This can't be our lives. And it can't be this church. God has to be the builder of your life. And God has to be the builder of this church. And God builds this church through his people. You are the builders. Jesus did not say, I will attend my church. He said, I will build my church. And if we're following in the way of the master, the master builder, we're supposed to be builders. Builders of his house, builders of his kingdom, builders of his spirit, builders of other people. Do you think of yourself in that way? Are you still in attending mode? Because a lot of people will just get into attendance mode and like, they're good. I go to that church. Um, I used to, to be part of another church and when I was younger and I was part of this ministry where uh, we would help people who were deciding to become members of that church where they were going to plant themselves and really become a committed part of, of that church and become part of the family, they would make a decision. And before we would join people to the church and they would become members, we would actually uh, do a salvation call. We would ask people if they've not made a decision to follow Jesus that that, that was the first step to make sure that they understood that. And I'm telling you, I, I used to be shocked working in this ministry and serving in this ministry because there were people who I had served alongside for seven years, eight years. I remember one guy was 10 years and, and, and for the first time in that class, they're putting their hand up to give their life to Jesus. I'm like, now, like you've been, you've been volunteering for 10 years. You've been in the presence of God. You've been in worship. You've been lifting your hands, but you've never even given your life. To, you never made a decision to become born again, to follow after Jesus. Like you've just been in this religious routine. Like I'm not saying that to condemn him. I'm saying that because I was shocked. Like, what have you been building for 10 years? Not a relationship with God. You've just been coming to church. Like, if you've never even entered into the first stage of, you know, Jesus said, unless someone's born again, they can't enter the kingdom of heaven. These are people that had been serving, doing things for God while not investing in a relationship with God. Church can become the safest place to avoid relationship with God. Because nobody's going to question you here. Oh, look, he, he's got his eyes closed. He must be really spiritual. Oh, he even lifted his hands. Even the sound. He was even whispering the words. He must, 
He must be saved. This is, this is what I'm talking about. Are we getting behind what God is building? Bono from YouTube has this amazing quote. I love it. I never forgot it. It says, stop asking God to bless what you're doing. Find out what God's doing. It's already blessed. I never forgot that quote because a lot of times that's what we're chasing after. God, build this. God, build that. Instead of saying, God, what are you building? Because what you're building, you're blessing. I'll tell you what God is building, his house, his kingdom, his people. Those are investments that we can make that are going to get a good return. Not just eternally, but in the here and now. Give careful thought to your ways. Remember this week when you stepped outside and every step you would take because of the ice, you didn't want to fall and you were giving careful thoughts, considering your ways of how you stepped. Some of you didn't do that and that's why you fell. (laughs) Imagine your spiritual life in the same way where you're carefully calculating the steps you're taking towards Jesus. Imagine a life, building a life where you get up in the morning and the reality of your life is not just how much money you're going to make, how much progress you're going to make, but how much closer you're going to get to Jesus. Something started happening about 25 years ago. When I first got saved, I started watching it and I started to see it was almost like people were not running towards living a life that was holy. It was like, how much can I sin and still be loved by God? How close to the the work of the enemy can I get and still be in God's blessing? I'm telling you, I started to watch a shift where where guys that I was trying to hang with and trying to get strong in God with, they were were more interested in kind of having the one foot in and one foot out with with church and God and the whole things of God. And I just remember thinking, I can't hang with these guys. These guys are going to pull me back into stupidity. They're certainly not going to take me further, or worse, they're going to leave me neutral like these people, just saying we believe, but they're not moving towards anything. They're not building anything. Am I helping you this morning? A life lived where we don't give careful thought and consideration to our spiritual steps ends up leading us to some hard falls in life. And the fall is quick. And the fall is hard, and it's slow and painful to get back up. I want to ask you this morning to give careful thought to one thing today, and that is this, to live a wholehearted life for Jesus. As your pastor, as a prophetic voice in your life, similar to what Haggai was to those people, When God said, these people say, I want to speak to what you're saying in your own inner dialogue in this season, post-COVID, post-snowpocalypse, post-economy, post-crazy political season, post-racial political tension, post-all of that, I want to say this, live a wholehearted life for Jesus. Don't get stuck in belief. Let there be some action. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus is asked what's most important. They were actually trying to trick Jesus and trying to get him to um, trip up on his own words so that they could basically, you know, imprison him or, or kill him or something. They were always trying to trick him, make him look like a blasphemer. And they ask him what's most important, Mark 12, and he says this, 
This is what's most important. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. Love, the, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Notice he says there's no commandment about two things. And those two things are about loving God and loving people. It wasn't one or the other. And a lot of times we find ourselves, we're actually good at one, but not the other. For some of us, it's really easy to be kind and to love people. We don't know how to stir that devotion towards God. And for others, it's really good for us to be in our Christian bubble and to, to stir our love for God and not let that play out into the lives of people. People who don't believe like us, people who don't look like us, people who don't sound like us. That's your neighbor. Not your roommate, your neighbor. Right. Your roommate, you know. Your neighbor, you're not sure what they're about. We love our neighbor as we love ourselves. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying this is what God asks of us, right? Love the Lord your God. But listen to the first thing he says. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. When something comes from your heart, what is it? That means it's sacrificial. That means there's generosity. That means there's protection. That means there's devotion. That means there's love. There's sacrifice. There's action. This week, when my family was freezing, I was not like, well, peace out. Good luck. I'll see y'all later. No, that's not what love did. Love finds a way to go out into the snow and cook a freaking hot dog that you hope isn't expired or, or now rotten because the fridge was not on and you're praying to God before you eat it. Lord, if this is the last meal, it sure is pretty tasty, but I sure hope it doesn't kill me. Are you with me? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Can we be a church that loves the Lord our God with all our heart? Can we not be a church that, that comes back post-COVID and is just like so many people? I'm not saying this from a place of pride that like, oh, we're so much better because we love our God with our whole heart. That's not what I'm saying. Please hear my heart. I'm saying we have to be the remnant of people that choose to build to not just people who be people who believe. Somebody has to build something. If we take this message seriously, our ministry will go up. Our ministry output will go up. Our pastors and leaders will increase. Division, gossip, slander will decrease. I'm telling you, money will go up, service will go up, love will go up, love will go out. It'll happen if it starts right here. It's not going to happen because we believe. It's going to happen because we take action. Because a prophetic voice comes in and says, hey, enough is enough. You're falling into temptation to say, life is hard. Let me tell you, life will always come to test your foundations. Adversity always comes to test your foundations freezes always come to test the pipes to see what busts under the pressure that wasn't prepared that's part of life that will never stop stop looking for a stress-free life stop asking God to give you a life without problems that won't happen on this side of eternity this is life and we got to teach our kids how to war through adversity, how to war through difficulty, how to war through challenges. Instead of echoing the voice of the world, oh God, it's so bad. Somebody has to learn how to fight to put on the full armor of God. 
Know what spiritual warfare is. Know what it's like to be devoted to God through pain and challenge and loss and sorrow and difficulty. Somebody has to learn how to stand their ground. Free meals for all the people who clapped. Nothing for the people who didn't clap. Last Last, last verse, and I'll close with this. Jesus is speaking, and he gives this parable. It's so beautiful, and it's so powerful. And he just, he, I, I want you to just ask yourself, does this sound like your devotion to Jesus, a wholehearted devotion to the Lord, to the things of God? Matthew chapter 13. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and he bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and he bought it. Here's what Jesus is saying. When you find me, you find everything. And when you find what's true, you sell and get rid of everything else that even compares. And you buy that field. You hold on to that pearl. In other words, this is, Jesus is trying to paint a picture of what the value of his life in our life is. A devotion so great that we'd sell everything else to have this field. He found this treasure in a field, buried it in the field so it wouldn't be seen, wouldn't be stolen, sells everything else and then just goes all in, all in at the gambling table on this, this is what's important to me. Devotion to Jesus this way. Janelle and I were having a conversation last night and I was praying afterwards, but I was complaining first to her. I wanna see men of God rise up in our church like never before. Men of God, nothing against the ladies. She's got the ladies covered. I want to help the men in here. I'm tired, man. I'm tired. I'm tired of half-hearted devotion. I'm tired of starts and stops in men's lives. I'm tired of helping men clean up messes that they make. I'll do it, but I'm tired. Wholehearted devotion would change the pathway for a lot of broken lives that men have laid the foundation for. But I'm telling you, this is an opportunity in this season of our church. We're restarting. And I'm asking you to consider your ways as a family, as a man, as a woman, as a young person, single, older, wherever you are. Give careful thought to your ways. Let's live wholehearted devotion for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are faithful to us even when we're not faithful to you. Lord, I'm asking you to deepen the roots of our spiritual lives this morning for us to be fertilized by your spirit that the roots would be fertilized, the roots of our life. Lord, your word says that we're to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, let us grow in your grace and in the knowledge of who you are in this season. God, let us not get distracted by just the recovery of the exile and from the exile. God, let us see so clearly your purpose and your passion in this season for us and for what we see happening in the world. God, turn our hearts towards you.
Help us to live wholehearted. Lord, this was your word to love with your whole heart. God, help us to love with our whole heart. When we don't get it right, help us see it. When we're stuck just in belief but no action, help us see it. When our passion and our devotion is going, going and leaning towards just building our own life and building our own house and money just for us and not the kingdom and time just for us and not the kingdom and time just for us and not people. God, let us see so clearly where you're trying to realign our passion, our vision, and our purpose. Lord, we know you can do it. We know you can restore our vision. We know you can restore the foundation. God, let us not be satisfied with a foundation that's half built and get caught up building our houses anymore. Turn us from this day forward, God, to be men of God and women of God. And let us serve your purpose faithfully. This morning, before I close, before I dismiss, I just want to ask you, have you initiated that relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you living a devoted life to Jesus Christ? I'm not asking if you believe in God. I'm asking this morning, have you strayed from God? Have you disconnected from God? Have you not committed to him a life that is a living sacrifice where you literally say, God, from this day forward, I I give up everything else and all I want is you. That's what Jesus is looking for. That's what he's asking for. He's not asking for you to give him a Saturday afternoon feeding the homeless and doing a good deed. He's asking first for his love to be settled in you. And when it's settled in you, that love will change people around you and it'll change you and it'll change the homeless person on a Saturday afternoon. But it starts with you. Good deeds aren't a substitute for a devoted life to Jesus. This morning, if you've not made that decision, I want to pray with you. Whether you're watching today by video, whether you're listening by podcast, I want to ask you, if you've not made the decision, it starts here. Jesus says to come to him and he'll give you rest. He'll forgive you of your sin. The messed up life that you've messed up, the broken life that you've broken, the confusion that you've established, all of that, the stuff that we like to deny. We don't put that on Instagram. We don't put that on Facebook. We show our best self. I'm talking about the real self, that we look in the mirror, that we go to sleep on our pillow at night, that we wrestle with, that we say, there has to be a better way. I know I can change. I know I can be better. That's the person God is wanting to reach right there. Not the fake social media person, the real person. Some of you, maybe this is you this morning. If that's you, you say, I want to live a a wholehearted, devoted life to Jesus from this day forward. If that's you, would you just lift your hand this morning so I can see who I'm praying for? Just lift it up so I see who I'm praying. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Church, would you pray with me for people who, who just lifted their hand right now and maybe people listening? I just want to pray and I want this to be on the podcast, I want this to be on the video where we pray together and just close this out together. That we're going to be a church that lives a wholehearted, devoted life to Jesus. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you today to change my heart. Help me live for you. Lord, thank you that the cross broke the weight of sin and changes me forever. Thank you that right now, because of your sacrifice, 
I'm forgiven. Fill me with your spirit and lead me on the path that leads to life and devotion to you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.